We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez, Happy 4th of July, everybody. It is Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. <clears throat> what a game. Cubs defeat the Milwaukee Brewers 7-6. I know, when I say what a game, it's like most Cubs fans are like, oh, I'm so, so sad I had to watch that Cubs. Obviously up four going into the bottom of the eighth, and they give up four uh, that sends it into extra innings. But I think, you know, there are a couple of takeaways from this game and two people that are in particular, two people in particular that you really want to highlight. One of them is Kyle Hendricks and you got to live in that space for a second. And when you're talking about Kyle Hendricks, I mean, he matches his season high in strikeouts and just pitched a beautiful game. Change up was working, changing eye levels of the hitters as if they were being tested by an optometrist. It was, it was really masterful. And then, you know, second inning, only used 11 pitches. Third inning, you guessed it, 11 pitches. And then the fourth inning, Kyle Hendricks, no, nah, it was 17 pitches. It wasn't 11. But nonetheless, just had a really, I mean, and it's, and it's been that way since Kyle Hendricks came back. What you thought was going to be some sort of random addition to the rotation of the Chicago Cubs, it's almost as if you added an ace when you're talking about Kyle Hendricks. His, I mean, his performance has been, I mean, look at his last couple of starts. Today, six innings pitched, just gave up one earned run, striking out five, as I mentioned, matching his career. His ERA right now is sitting at 2.64. It's like you added an ace. He's pitched at least six innings in six out of his last seven starts. Think about a guy like Jameson Tyone, who, who, struggles to get past five. You got a guy in Kyle Hendricks. Of course, he's still Kyle Hendricks, but he's just thrown in the middle of the season. May 25th, comes in, boom. First game, four innings pitched. Second game, five innings pitched. Third game, six, eight, five, six, seven, six. I mean, it really is impressive what he's doing. And then, of course, Ian Happ. That's the other name from today's game. Uh, if you didn't see it, Cubs again win 7-6, but Ian Happ just both in the ninth, or excuse me, yeah, both in the 10th and the 11th just had, I mean, it's what you dream of as a left fielder, right? The ball getting hit to you, medium depth 
not too far back, not too, not a shallow blooper, medium depth, and you plays the play both time to get the double play. Just it's it's really cool to see stuff like that. It's, that's what you watch baseball for. You can you can complain about the Chicago Cubs and where they sit and whether or not they should be making moves to enhance their team in the present or in the future. But the fact of the matter remains, if you're a baseball, if you just enjoy baseball, this is a fun game for you. And that's where we're at. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, um, Kyle Hendricks got things going going early. Like I mentioned, he did have five strikeouts. Uh, this is one of his earlier ones. Tellez swings and misses strike three. He got fooled on a changeup and down he goes. One away. Cubs lead one to nothing. And here is Willie Adamas. The changeup, I'm telling you, it was working. And if you really go back, let's say, I mean, if, even if you saw the game, if you go back and, you know, they have pitch trackers so you get to see, you know, where the location of the ball is, what what the mile power is, what type of pitch it was. And it really is masterful to watch Kyle Hendricks and to see, you know, what, what he was doing. I mean, just, just going back to the sixth inning, um, Cubs are at that point, or excuse me, this, yeah, go back to the sixth inning. That was the last inning he pitched. Cubs are up 4-2 at the end of the inning. But even in the sixth inning, starts off with Joey Weimer. And he, fastball, change up fastball. High, low, high. Just changing the eye levels, changing the speeds, not being too crazy. And this is in the sixth inning. Christian Yelich is just eating them up all game today. Same thing. Three straight fastballs, low, and then you, you work on the right side of the plate, the left side of the plate, just masterful. Three pitch uh, at bat to him. Jesse Winker ultimately ended up striking out on a seven pitch at bat. Change up heavy in the beginning with the first three. Fastball heavy with the last four at the end. Just changing the eye levels. Just really good stuff from uh, from Kyle Hendricks. Uh, top of the third, though, you know, after the Cubs got up to a one zero lead in the top of the second after a Jan Gomes double. Uh, Dansby Swanson led off the inning, uh, and, and the fourth pitch of the sequence, you know what he did. Dansby cracks one in the air, deep center. Back goes Weimer, back near the center field fence. That ball is gone. Dansby Swanson with a long home run, and the Cubs lead two to nothing. Just to the right of straightaway, and gone by plenty. Dansby Swanson, two for six on the day, with that homer score to run as well. Uh, struck out three times though, uh, but doesn't matter when you get a nice little big bop like that, right? Two nothing. This is what team. This is what we've been talking about all week, giving your team an opportunity, giving them the lead early, so that that way, you know, whoever's on the mound can continue to play at a high level. And of course, uh, the Dansby Swanson homer made it two nothing. Uh, Cubs put on two more in the fifth, uh, making it four nothing. Bryce Terang, uh single to right center, and then that that was a tough inning too for. For Kyle Hendricks, because that one was with two outs. In the fifth and the sixth, both runs that Kyle Hendricks gave up in those innings, they were they were both with two outs. And that was the most uh damning thing there in that space. But then in the eighth, Cubs tack on two more. Miguel Amaya coming in after a couple of guys uh, were pinch hitting. And it's it's just gotta feel good as a Cubs fan to see Miguel Amaya come up in that position and really come through for his team to just Give him some insurance runs, but unfortunately, it still wasn't enough. Uh, in the bottom of the eighth, Milwaukee put put on two more and make it six to four. And, and the assumption in that moment was that all right, you know, the game's in in hand. 
And I asked this question because I was supposed to start at 6 o'clock today or right around that space. And so I asked the question on Twitter. I said, who's to blame for this late start um, after the Cubs game? I said, is it is it Ross? Is it Alzali? And I should have put Mark Leiter Jr. in there because he's the one that's, that started off the bottom of the eighth uh, replacing Julian Merriweather. And first thing he does is hit the first bat batter. Then he got the two outs, which is fine. But then Contreras comes up, gets that single. And then Tejas comes in, gets the single as well. And I thought in that moment, I don't know. I guess you bring in Alzale to to replace Mark Leiter, and then he gives up the double to Willie Adamez. And then that's this is the part that I want to go to, and this is why everyone was saying it was Alzale. Because he comes in in the eighth, he gives up the double to Adamez, and then uh, Owen Miller finishes the inning. You come in the bottom bottom of the ninth, and you're saying, okay, you're leaving Alzale in there. He's, you know, you want to give the guy a little bit of confidence. He got that one out, got the got the got out of the situation, still got a two run lead. But then, you know, Tapia gets the single, Terrain gets the single. To me, at that point, it's time to take out Albert Osley. Now the question is, right? Solutions, not problems. Who do you go to in that moment? You already use Lighter, you know, you, you already use Merriweather. That that really is the question. But, you know, you allow him to continue pitching. Christian Yelich gets the single to make it 6-5. Then he hits an, then he hit another guy, Jesse Winker. And then Contreras comes with the sack fly to tie it up at 6. That was the most frustrating part, I think, for the the Chicago Cubs. In the 10th, Jared Young lines into that double play. Um, then Cody Bellinger ends the inning on a pop fly. Bottom of the 10th, Palencia comes in for Albert Alzali. And, you know, that's where the first of the two double plays happen because – you know, Tejas is at second. Um, Adamus flies out for that first out. And then, sure enough, uh, this happens. And the 1 2. Line drive, base hit to left field. Rounding third, heading home, Monasterio to throw by half. It's a good throw. He's going to be out at the plate. The throw to second base and out there. Unbelievable double play. The Brewers might challenge the play at the plate. Great throw by Hap to cut down the runner. Monasterio at the plate, and then alertly Amaya. What a play by Ian Hap. I mean, bottom of the 10th, game's about to be over. Guys on second, got a good jump. It's literally what you dream of when you're playing an outfield position. A nice little... You know, line drive up, you know, to your respective position and you get the opportunity. That's all you want, the opportunity. Great throw by Ian Happ uh, to get Tejas out at home. Or, excuse me, Monasterio because he was the one that was pinch hitting right there. And then Owen Miller makes the turn to second trying to be greedy, get put himself in, in scoring position and gets that out. But a great job by Ian Happ. In the 11th, Nico Horner knocks in the run to make it 7-6. to six, And then in the bottom of the 11th, Ian Happ does his thing again. And the 0-1. A swing and a pop fly, shallow left. Hap coming in. Let's see if the runner tags. The catch by Hap. The runner's going to try to score. The throw to the plate. He is going to be out at the plate. Out at the plate. Cubs win the ball game. Let's see if the call is challenged. Ian Hap, another clutch throw. I don't know if the Brewers are going to challenge it. Couldn't challenge it because. He was out. Great play again by Ian Happ. Cubs win 7-6 versus the Brewers, taking the second game of the four-game series tomorrow, 7-10 p.m. First pitch here on 670, the score. 
Pre-game begins at 6.35 with Zach Zayman. I'm actually going to be leading you right in right into Cubs baseball tomorrow at 6 p.m., so make sure you guys are here for that. We'll talk some more Cubs baseball. We'll hear from David Ross uh, by the end of the hour. Also talk uh, a little bit of Bulls basketball um, as well. And coming up right after this, we get a chance to talk to my guy, Herb Howard. I don't. There was one player missing. It's like this. When you you guys know this, whether it's your group chats, your hangouts, whatever it is, when your friends hang out and you're not a part of it, you feel a certain type of way. And there were there was one person in particular that wasn't hanging out with Justin Fields and the guys. And I'm wondering what Herb Howard thinks uh, of that player not being there. Who is that player? And who was hanging out with Justin Fields uh, at a rando practice? We'll talk about that after the break. Herb Howard joins the show. Next, it's Gabe Ramirez right here on the... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Fourth of July, man. Happy Fourth of July on 670 The Score. Fields finds Chase Claypool past the 45-yard line in front of Rasul Douglas. Chase Claypool playing his fifth game with the Bears, trying to get him more involved as he learns more about this offense. Yeah. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Happy 4th of July. It is Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Following an exciting Cubs game. Cubs beat the Milwaukee Brewers 7-6. We'll get into some more Cubs talk and hear from David Ross in his postgame in just a little bit. But right now, get to talk a little Chicago Bears. And I'm so glad, Leo, that you know Whenever I talk Bears, I just want to come out of the commercial break with a highlight. I don't even care what the highlight is. Just just give me something I can be happy about and smile and reminisce and be like, damn, that was a nice little touchdown run they had there. Uh, well, now I get to to talk and, and get a little bit more in-depth with this team and pick this guy's brain, man. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is the Chicago Bears beat reporter for It's the Bigs and one of our good friends here on 670 The Score. Of course, I'm talking about. Herb Howard. Herb, what's up, man? How are you? 
Ain't nothing to it, Gabe. How you feeling, brother? Chilling. You know, I was in a Uber coming here. Uh, my, my my wife has the the kids that are, you know the in laws, and they're eating barbecue and doing all that good stuff. Dad's on a smoker yeah. over there, and so I get in the the Uber, and the guy's like, "Oh, you know, did you uh, where are you headed?" And I was like, oh, "I'm headed to work." He's like, "Oh, so did you eat yourself into a coma already?" And I was like. No, and you don't have to rub it in my face that I wasn't at a barbecue. So I'll ask, I'll ask you a qu- that question. Did you get a chance to grub today or not? No, I definitely grubbed a little bit today. I'm uh, actually sitting outside uh, my family's crib right now, just you know, just hanging out, vibing a little bit. I like it, man. Fourth of July, when you're growing up, was Fourth of July something like? Was there anything you did like back in the day? Like when I was real young, my dad we used to always go to North Avenue Beach. We would just go downtown, post up under a tree. Okay. And just kind of, you know, do that. And then on the third, back in the day, people don't know, the third was the real firework day that, in the city of that's Chicago. That's when it really was. That's when you used to go into the taste of Chicago. That's when there was a million people down at the taste. All the fireworks was going on. And so, you know, it's the same as, as, as it always kind of has been in terms of the personal vibe with the barbecues. But the third was definitely the day in terms of the city. And, you know, now we get to add Juneteenth to it. I'm a, I'm a big Juneteenth guy. So now we get two. So it's, it's, yes, it's great. It's going to be and it's, it's a, it's a fun, fun month. Fun couple of months, man. Summertime side can't beat it. Uh, but we are getting can't close to the training camp, Herb. And, you know, these Bears, they got people like the spectrum of emotions for Chicago Bears fans literally is all over the place. There are those that are, you know, delusional and thinking that the Bears can, you know, get to and win playoff games <laughs> at high rate. There are those that think the Bears are still going to be as bad as they were last year. You know, where is your mind at when it comes to to not not expectations, Herb, but just mm-hmm. you know, where is your heart at when you're looking at this Chicago Bears team heading into the season? Yeah, my heart and my mind are, are generally in two different places with <laughs> the team, especially uh, you know having to re- to cover them as, as a beat reporter. Uh, that's all about my mind and what I actually see and what I actually think. Um, and then my heart is always the Bears going to Super Bowl this year, so it's a little bit two different things. Um, but I, I think. You know, the, the ceiling for the Bears this year is to compete for a playoff spot, maybe one of those wild-card spots. I don't know. I don't think they can make any type of run in the playoffs, but I do think they can, you know, find them find themselves in a position to scratch and claw for one of those playoff spots in the end. I think uh, the, the lower end for them may be somewhere around six or seven wins and not really competing for one of those playoff spots, but certainly a better team than they were last year. Just look at it on paper. They have a much more improved roster. I think if they continue to do the things that they, that they did last year in terms of uh, competing – yeah, I told. Sorry about that. And I, and I feel that way too, right? There's a ceiling for the Bears team, and then you know, there's what we actually think could potentially happen. And in order for that, sure. the Bears to reach that 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 mecca, that space that we want them to live in. Obviously, everybody's you know understands that it depends on Justin Fields. And recently, he was seen with Cole Komet, with Darnell Mooney. You know, uh, mm-hmm. playing a little bit. Well, who we didn't see, we didn't see Chase Claypool there, right? Yeah. Didn't see, didn't see DJ Moore there, right? Right. Right, right, right. So, I mean, these kinds of things that happen, you know, are how much should we look into it when like those two guys aren't there? Because we've been waiting for Darnell to be healthy, so that I'm glad that he's there. But but Chase Claypool, I mean, what he's been saying. It's almost like it's uh, the little the little girl that cried wolf, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. you're hearing it too much from him specifically, her. Where you're hearing it from from Chase being like, "This tr- trust me, I am that dude, and this this year is gonna be so different." 
but it's we keep mm-hmm. hearing we keep hearing that without seeing things that make it make it believable. Yeah, I think you got to be hopeful that that he's that. They need him to be that. I'm not concerned about DJ Moore. We got to see how quickly he and Justin were able to kind of get on the same page and kind of develop that chemistry. So I'm not worried about what he is and what he will be in this offense. I'm also not worried about Darnell Mooney. I think as long as he's healthy and able to go, he will be the productive player that we've seen him be throughout his time with the Bears. So I'm excited about what those two will bring. But they absolutely need Chase Claypool to be a very productive contributor on this offense. They need that from him. He has everything that you would want in a receiver. You look at him, and he looks like a guy that you would want to throw the ball to. You talk about a guy who's 6'4 and 230, and he's got 4'4 speed. He, he looks the part. All the tangibles are there. And so you start to question some of the intangibles. Does he love the game? Does he put the time in? Does he want to be out there? And I, I, I don't I don't want to question that about him this early. And so I was just kind of – I'll reserve judgment. I want to get to camp. I want to get to preseason. And hopefully he hits the ground running as the regular season comes around because they need him to be that other guy in this offense. And hopefully he will. Right now, that's only a hope. It's always a red flag. Uh, when you talk about the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers – casting off young talent, uh, shout out to Jason Leeds from the Times. He, he pointed that out to me about not only Chase Claypool, but also about Nikhil Harry from the Patriots. Those are two franchises who don't generally cast off young talent. And so when you see that happen from one of those two franchises, it's kind of an automatic red flag. Uh, red flag aside, the Bears need Chase Claypool to be a productive contributor in this offense, and hopefully he will be. But um, right now, all we can do is hope. We're talking to Chicago Bears beat reporter Herb Howard uh, for It's the Bigs here on 670. The score, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's just frustrating because, you know, there is a lot of pressure on Justin Fields, and I know he wants to be operating at 100%, and you really just want him to have all his weapons, right? Because you you don't want there to be any more excuses. And, you know, right. you see a guy like DJ Moore, you know what he can be. You know Darnell Mooney can be that guy. You know Chase Claypool can be a guy that can get you out of a tough situation. Cole Komet, the same thing. But but you want – you just want them all the – from a fan's perspective, you just want them all there so that that way you can see, like, how good can this team be? And I guess, you know, that's where I'm at right now, Herb, where I'm really questioning how good this offense is going to be, right? There has been an addition – or additions, excuse me, on the offensive line. Sure. There has been additions in the wide receiver room. You did bring in Dante Foreman, Eric Hosmer, drafting Roshan Johnson. But what I mean, what is realistic though? Right? I mean, because it seems like the 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 deviation is so big. It can be really good, it can yeah. be really yeah. bad, or it can be average. Like like what when you look at the Bears offense, you know, what what do you expect it to be or how good it it, it should be? Yeah, I think that, I think that spectrum is understandable. It's realistic. You look at the top end talent and you say, "Hey, this is a group that should be able to move the ball up and down the field. They should be able to put points on the board." If you look at their top end talent, if you say if they can field, you know, DJ Moore, and they can, you know, put them out there with Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney, you got Cole Komet and Tain and all those running backs in the backfield, and Justin Fields another year in this system, and they, you know, added to this offensive line. If all those things can come together on the front line. This should be a formidable offense. That being said, they don't have the depth. So I don't know that they were able to sustain, you know, any injuries in any key positions. Mm. There aren't many teams in the National Football League that can, but the best teams absolutely can. They find a way to sustain some of those key injuries as the year go, goes along. And I don't think this, this, this Bears roster is in that position just yet. So I think that, you know, I think the optimism is real. 
it's warranted, but I think it has to be proven. You still got to wait for this offensive line to come together. It's fine to say, hey, last year at this time, we had no idea who the five guys were going to be. And you ended up settling on a fifth-round pick, playing 17 <laughs> games at left tackle. Shout out to Bracken Jones for doing that. And I like Bracken Jones, and I hope he takes the next step going forward. And so now you come into a this year and you say, okay, well, we know who the five guys should be. Can they get through camp and preseason healthy? And then how many stars can you get from that group? I don't think anybody expects to get, you know, 17 stars from the same five guys at offensive line. It's just not a position – that is able to kind of go through the whole season without sustaining some injuries like that. But if you can get, you know, the vast majority of the stars from that group, how good can they be? And so I think, you know, somewhere along that spectrum of uh, where they were last year and, you know, the most idealistic view of where they can be this year, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. And you just hope that, you know, through, through um, luck, they can, they can, you know, stay relatively healthy and through hard work, they can continue to develop. Yeah, and depth is the issue on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, it's not just the offense. It's also the defense. You you have people that are in place to play that those starting roles, but, you know, after that, what, you know, what do you have? If if, if Tremaine Edmonds or, or, you know, T.J. Edwards gets injured, you know, who do you have behind there? You're back to a Jack Sanborn again, you know, running the middle, right. which is not terrible, right? He played well last year, but it's probably not who you want to be depending on if you're, if you're looking to oh. make that playoff push in the middle. And that – that that's where I think it comes down to coaching. And I think, you know, I like what I've seen so far from Coach Eberflus, Herb. And I, I, I think there's a level of believability there. But it's like David Ross and the Cubs, right? Where, like, last year he had, you know, some guys that, you know, nobody was really expecting him to do much with. And he, and he, did, he, made, he did a lot with it. And then this year they added some more talent. And people feel like he's underperforming a little bit and underachieving a little bit with a, with a more talented roster. Yeah. Should we expect the same from an Eberflus? Is that and not expect, but you know, no. Okay, t- keep, get, get, live in that space no, for me no, for a second. I, yeah, no, I, I get the comp- I get the comparison. I, I just don't expect that from Flus because I think that Flus is tense. I think the way he coaches, the way he implements his system, the culture that he's kind of brought in, the entire staff, right? Not just him, but the, the, the entire staff that he's brought along with him. I think they get the most out of the time that they have. And I think we saw that last year. I know they finished, you know, 3-14. and 14. You say, well, how did they get the most out of that talent? But then you look at that roster, and they just weren't ready to compete with a lot of the teams on the NFL level. And that's no disrespect to the guys that were on that roster. They're all really, really good football players, but it's levels to it. And they just didn't have the level to finish those games. And so they were competitive. You know, they were in the game for three, three and a half quarters, you know, four quarters, you know, but they just, they just weren't able to kind of get over the hump because they just didn't have the talent to get them across the line. Now you look at the front line talent, you say, okay, they have the front line talent. So if they're able to maintain that same culture, that same discipline where they don't beat themselves with penalties, they don't frequently turn the ball over, you know, they, they, they try hard, they, all the hits principle things, right, the hustle, the intensity, the takeaways, the smarts, all those things, if those things continue uh, and then you add more talent, theoretically they should be um, better in terms of their win-loss record. And so I don't, I don't expect the Bears to uh, certainly not be – have a worse record or even stay the same, I expect them to improve because now they have better talent if they continue to play the same way, right? If the, if the better talent plays the same way that the talent they had last year did, they should win more games. Talking to Herb Howard on 670, the score is Gabe Ramirez. I really hope that. I really do because, you know, the, the NFC North is going to be open for the next couple of years, right? Not even open, but just there's going to be uncertainty surrounding the division, 
for the next couple of years. Even even if Detroit wins this year or Minnesota and Detroit gets better, there's always going to be a question because there's not an Aaron Rodgers or there's not an Adrian Peterson with a top tier right. quarterback. That doesn't exist currently. It's 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 very murky. What what order do you have the NFC North finishing in this year? I agree with you. I think it's wide open, right? This is the first time you don't have 12, you know, coming into the division and saying, well, you just expect the Packers to go and get it because they have 12 on the center. Um, now you got, you know, got young quarterbacks. You talk about Justin, you talk about Jordan, Jared Goff trying to lead these upstar Detroit Lions. You got Kirk Cousins, who's a veteran that has a good roster, but there's some, a lot of, you know, influx going on in Minnesota. So I think this division is kind of wide open for the taking. I don't think anybody would be completely shocked if any of the four teams win the mm. division. So I, I guess if I, if I had to, if you forced me to pick, I would probably go, you know, Minnesota uh, number one. And then I don't know how two, three, and four shakes out. I really don't. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know, you know, Minnesota, I mean, Detroit being such a hot pick, everybody thinks they'll either win it or they'll certainly be number two. I don't know that I feel that way um, about, about Detroit right now. So um, I think two, three, four could, could shake out anyway. If I had to pick, I'll, I'll pick one team that I think, will win it and I would just go with Minnesota because uh, they have the more they have more of the proven players to be able to do it. But outside of that, I don't know how two, three, and four is going to shake out. And I'm not even sure that they'll win it. So uh, I really think it's a wide open division. I think the Bears have a decent opportunity to, 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 to come out of that division. I don't think they will. I think they have a decent opportunity just like the other teams. I would go I would go Minnesota and then the other three in, in some some, you know, order thereafter. It's funny you say that because that's really the correct answer is that, you know, one through four, it just there's that you would not be shocked if no. any of those teams won and rattled off a couple of victories. You would just be like, because it'd probably be the result of a bad division, right? If the Bears were to win the NFC North, they'd probably go five and one, four and two in the division, right? Whoever's sitting atop of that is going to be getting some victories handed their way. I uh, heard before we get you out of here, man, I know, you know, you're, you're a Chicago guy and, and I, I was pleasantly surprised and happy that Derrick Rose went to the Memphis Grizzlies. And, I, mm. and I'll tell you this. I've I seen the memes, Guns N' Roses, petty, super petty. Mm-hmm. I can't believe people mm-hmm. have done that. Mm-hmm. But I got to be honest, I, I, he's, <laughs> he's wearing 23. He's wearing 23 in Memphis. I immediately went to the Memphis Grizzlies NBA store to go get a T-shirt. And they're not even, they're okay. not even, they're not even up right now. Uh, what, what do you think about Derrick Rose ending, probably ending his career uh, in Memphis and, and giving it one last go around in his old stomping grounds. I would say that's very good for John Moran. I think that's good for John Moran on a lot of levels. Number one, he is, you know, what Derrick Rose was in the national, in the, in the NBA, right? He he is what Derrick Rose was in terms of being that explosive point guard who can create his own shot, who can get to the buck whenever he wants to. So on the court, I think Derrick Rose is as good of a mentor or another set of eyes for him as they can be. And I think for the team, having Derrick Rose there while Jai isn't doesn't necessarily force them to deviate from how they play because of the similarities in their game. But I also think that Derrick is, is, is a great mentor for Jai off the court. Derrick Rose is the genuine article of a South Side Chicago dude. Like he's, he's the genuine article of that. So he understands this life that Ja Morant thinks he wants to be mm-hmm. about. Derrick Rose has seen that. I don't mean, saying he's lived that, but he's seen that. He understands that, right? To be from yeah. where we're from, he understands that. He's seen that. And I think that he can be somebody who can kind of spend some time with you and say, yo, bro, like I've been, 
I've been ducking that smoke since I was 13. You yeah. don't need, you don't, you don't gotta go look for that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was, that was what I was, that was what I was avoiding all of this time. And so you don't gotta go find that. So I think on on the court and off the court, uh, John Morant is the greatest beneficiary of D Rose going to Memphis. I would have loved to see him come home and finish his career here. That wasn't the case. Uh, we'll see. You know, if they had to do one of those honorary things like they we've seen with other people's career. But uh, I think again, I think that 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 John Morant. Is, is the biggest beneficiary of, of D-Rose going to Memphis. That's a great point, Herb. And I, and I actually talked about it here on 670, the score, after the second incident, where I tried to explain to people, and you kind of touched on it with Derrick Rose, I tried to explain to people on the score that, you know, even though you have a two-person household and you might have went to a decent school, I said, mm-hmm. I said, John Morant still has barbecues in the summer with his family. John Morant still has... Thanksgivings and Christmases with his family. So it's not like, you know, and I was trying to explain how even if you come from something like that, you're not a horse with blinders on. You you still, your family, like, you know what I mean? You're still exposed to it. And then I said, and then when you come of age, and I was speaking specifically about members of my family that, sure. you know, got locked up that are younger than me, my younger cousins, and, and they had mm-hmm. a two-person household or whatever. And I said, but then when they get to high school and they have to figure out, like, which path to go down, one might seem more lame than the other, right? And then so then they gravitate towards what they think is where they should be. You know what I'm saying? And I said, and I was trying to liken that. So you get a guy like D. Rose in there, and he's like, here, this is how I navigated through this. You know, hey, I might have yeah. got caught with a picture thrown up a gang sign and people were giving me flag for it, but check it out. I never did it again, right? After that, I never did it again. And, here, you know, here's how I did that. But, again, it's how you move and how you operate. And I think you're right. I, you know, I was more more excited about Derrick Rose's homecoming, but you're right. There's someone that's going to benefit a lot from that, and, and that is uh, John Moran. Hey, Herb, I appreciate you yeah. uh, hanging out with me, man. Enjoy the rest of your barbecue. You know, don't blow off blow up any fingers or anything like that. You know, what I'm saying, got to need those fingers. Don't to put type. The, don't put that in the air, no, man. Don't put that in the you air. You got to type up your articles and stuff like that, <laughs> Herb. You know, what I'm saying. All right, Herb, have a good one. Thanks for hanging out. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Always, always, Herb Howard. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Herb Howard four one one. He is again a Bears beat reporter for It's the Bigs, hanging out with us here on six seventy the score. All right, it is Gabriel Ramirez. As mentioned, uh, Cubs take down the Milwaukee Brewers uh, to win the second game of the four game set seven to six. Rossi was ejected in the eleventh inning after going to bat. Not really, but going to bat for his first base coach who got ejected as well. Uh, we'll have some post game audio from Rossi. What did he think of the game? What did he think? of the Cubs giving up those four runs to allow them to tie it up and send it into extras. And then what did he think about the moment um, where he was ejected in the 11th inning? We'll hear from David Ross after this. It's Gabe Ramirez right here. On- we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Fourth of July, man. Happy Fourth of July. Right here on 670 The Score. Nico Horner still the runner at first. David Ross out talking with Andy Fletcher. It does not appear to be an overly heated discussion. David doing most of the talking. And now Ross will head back to the Cubs third base dugout. 
The count on Swanson two balls and two strikes. Let's see if David has a few words with Eric Backus. Yes he does. David has been tossed out of the game. David probably protecting his base coach Mike Napoli. And he's had enough right I mean you can only watch a guy be that bad so long and not you know and back is, it just there's no feel for the game whatsoever I mean the plays that have happened in today's game are plays that an a ball umpire should be able to make and he hasn't and it's just he doesn't belong in the big leagues that's the take Gabe right? Ramirez on six cellular score do you see Ron Cooper right there he heard him there's no place for that uh, Rossi getting kicked out in the 11th inning Sure, he's frustrated. Uh, had some stuff he was talking about. Um, Ross, of course, getting ejected, but he still was available to media after the game. And he just talked about, you know, there are games during throughout the season. I mean, listen, throughout the course of a season, there are going to be ugly wins. There are going to be, you know, ugly losses. This happens to be the former. And... You know, you 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 need things like this because you, you can still learn from wins. You learn from every game, right? And so, uh, Rossi talked about what kind of win this was for the Cubs. Sure. I mean, I think we've talked about the character of the group, and they continue to fight and don't waver. And we talked before about, you know, the fans and the expectations and things to be better. And these guys continue to just do their job and go out and have really professional at-bats, fight and claw to do, you know, all they can to win baseball games. And that was a nice character win. Hopefully we can build off that moving forward. Yeah, and then, of course, I mean, that's extremely important, right? When you're talking about a victory and where the Cubs are at in the grand scheme of the playoff landscape. And, you know, you had guys step up. You know, Kyle Hendricks, as he meant, you know, when you're talking about a team that needed a performance, uh, one in which the Kyle Hendricks was able to deliver, you know, and you talk about the rest of the bullpen, Julian Merriweather doing a good job. Uh, but more specifically, Daniel Palencia, you know, making that start. Rossi talked about his performance as well, going two innings in this one catching doing fundamentally sound like you know at the plate they're going to check all those things phenomenal job Daniel Palencia phenomenal job that environment first time out to calm the nerves places on his feet land that first pitch slider to Adames was just one of those things that tells you how calm and collected he is and for the moment and I know he didn't sleep a lot last night getting that call up so <laughs> great team effort you know to be able to fight back after all we've kind of gone through the last couple of days again there's so much character in that room I wish I wish people at home can feel that it's good got to be a good feeling of course the Cubs feeling good about themselves game three tomorrow right here on 670 the score First pitch, 7.10 p.m. Pre-game begins at 6.35. Zach Zayman got your call there. I'll be leading you right into that game. But uh, Rossi going to have to – he's going to have to calm down a little bit. Papa, calmate. That's what my, my mom would tell, tell you. But he, he, t- he touched on, you know, not necessarily the incident, but just the frustration uh, with the ups during the game. It seemed like uh, the frustration with umpiring was building up throughout the game. Is that like a combination of things there? I mean – I think, yeah, there was some frustration. You know, it was big. There, You know, there's no secret in, in moments. And, you know, these guys, you can only, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance the emotions and continue to, to have these guys execute and have good at-bats. And it just wasn't very good. And I, I, we made that known, and some guys were starting to get frustrated. And, you know, I know it's not an easy job, but there's, there's just there, there's some of the, the pitches that got called today just weren't even close. And so it's got to be better, you know, 
they're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows late. There's a lot of that went on today that just was really frustrating. Hey, hey, Papa, put some soap in your mouth. Cursing like that, but I get it. There are moments of frustration. You're trying to battle and win this game. You feel like it's slipping out of your hands. And in certain moments, the frustration boils over. And you think that the umps are trying to take the game away from the field and into their own hands. And Rossi obviously frustrated in the moment and in the post game as well. Uh, we will continue our conversation about the Chicago Cubs. Uh, we are going to do that with Matt Kazi, who's going to be joining the show from Locked On Cubs. What did he think about the Cubs getting the second victory and the second, excuse me, the second game victory of a four game set? And what does he think about Kyle Hendricks? How about how good he is and how can he, how long can he continue and keep this up? We talked to Matt Kazi after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez on the 4th of July here, live and local for you, right here on 670 The Score. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 